Okay, here we go on the One of That podcast. It is week 19. I am David Schiff here with my co-host, the absolute god of sports betting, Miles V. Miles, can you believe the regular season is over? How the hell are you, my friend? I am Miles. Maybe you've heard of me. Can we call it week 19? It really, there's no such thing. I, I'd call this super playoff wildcard weekend or whatnot. It's week 19 of our pod, but but I think we got to title this something like uh, playoff week or something like that. Wildcard week? So let's call it that. This is super wildcard weekend here on the One of Bet podcast. Yeah, but before we get to that, we should definitely recap uh, week 18 that was, and, and maybe even the year as it was. I mean, we've gone through an entire regular season of NFL football, and boy, it was it, it came and went. It was fun, and, and looking back at the results and the tallies, I think, is going to be fun, too. Um, when we get into this week 18, I do want to say one thing. I, I was correct about one thing, and that's... I said that in the weeks where there's one team that has everything to play for and one team is eliminated and has nothing to play for, people often gravitate towards the team that needs to win to get in, and that team often fails. And I figured that could happen in Week 18, and there were several games where that circumstance was available to happen, but Seattle, Pittsburgh, Miami, they all took care of business, and I thought... If someone was going to shit the bed, it was going to be one of those three. But no, uh, what happened? I I go ahead and say last podcast that I was wrong about the Packers. They're actually a good team, and what happens? They go out and get beat on. Yes, they did, and we're going to talk about that a little later because, as you know, I was on the Packers. You also pointed out last week that the schedule makers kind of got in people's heads because there were a couple of games where the motivations for the teams changed right before game time. Uh, that was the Detroit Lions who found out that they were eliminated after Seattle got in. And also the Chargers weren't playing for anything because Baltimore lost before the Charger Bronco game. So they weren't playing uh, for anything and they still played a lot of their starters. And hopefully they didn't screw themselves because Mike Williams did get a back injury in that game. So a lot of things going on this week. Let me just jump in here quickly and just tell people what the format of this week's episode is going to be. As you know, we bet $1,000 every week on a series of games. On the NFL, we have to make at least three bets, and each bet has to be at least $100. So this week, we are going to spend the first half, as always, recapping last week's games, and we are going to give you a final tally for the regular season. And then what we're going to do is we're going to talk through each wildcard game. We are not going to put monetary designations on it, but we are going to talk through each game and we're going to give you bets that we like if there is a bet on that game that we would want to make. We're not designating a bet for every game. So that's what's going to happen this week. And then next week will be the final episode of the Wanna Bet podcast for right now for the NFL season. We will go through each playoff game, talk about the bets that we liked, recap the games, uh, and then sort of end it from there. And then in the future, Wanna Bet will be back, we believe, in some capacity. But that's what's going to happen this week and next. What do you say about that, Miles? 
I'm saying that I'd like to hear more from our sponsors. I'd like to hear more from our agents. I'd like to hear more from the general betting world after we recap the year and they just see how successful this podcast was. Uh, you know, I think we're going to be in high demand and fielding lots of calls, but that's just me. It's going to be an intense uh, negotiation to re-up our contracts. No doubt about it. And we're just negotiating with ourselves. So that'll make it even more intense. I'm going to make them an offer again with you. Let's talk about week 18. And I'm going to jump in here because I lost week 18. So for me, the season ends kind of like it started way back in week one, which is not great. And the first game I want to talk about is the game that we were both on. So that was Jacksonville, Tennessee. Uh, They were playing in Jacksonville. Winner went to the playoffs. Loser goes home. That was my big bet of the week, 440 to win 400. Jacksonville was a six and a half point favorite. Uh, They they did win the game 20 to 16, but they didn't cover. And Miles, I got to give you credit. Your analysis was dead on. You were concerned about the six and a half points. You went with the under. That's exactly how it played out. I'm not going to lie. This game annoyed the crap out of me. Jacksonville was really sluggish coming out of the gate. Terrible play calling early. Terrible execution in the first half. I'm pretty sure this was a direct quote from Joe Buck coming out of halftime. The Jaguars left at least four points on the field in the first half. I agree. Actually, I think that number was closer to 10 or 11. First quarter, they're down in Titans territory. They run this bizarre sort of reverse where Lawrence rolls out. He tries to pitch to a receiver who's running the other way. The receiver is about four inches away from him. So the pitch gets screwed up. They fumble the ball. They lose possession. And then later in the half, Christian Kirk is so wide open in the end zone. He's like knitting a sweater waiting for a pass. And Trevor Lawrence throws it over his head. Trevor Lawrence was just a little bit off, certainly in the first half. Uh, And that turns into a field goal that should have been a touchdown. They should have scored the first time. And when you have six and a half points in a spread, those little plays, those opportunities that don't happen are all the difference in the world. Josh Dobbs on the other side of the field, he did about as well as could be expected for the Titans. But you know, Josh Dobbs is not going to win the game for the Titans. You knew the Jaguars were going to catch up. They did, but they started with, you know, a hole where they're down 10, nothing. And that was just too much for them to get over the six and a half that they needed. I was annoyed. I lost that bet. You had a better uh, assessment of the teams. Well, and I looked at the game a little differently, differently than you. Uh, I had the under 40, which did come in and the game played out kind of the way I wanted it to. I mean, Jacksonville did win. Uh, and it was a relatively low-scoring matchup. Uh, you, know, you and I have been watching the Jags a lot lately, I'd say, you know, over the last month. And I, I love the Jags this, these last few weeks. They were I was really rooting for them. I just didn't like the six-and-a-half points. And it seemed like it was too many points for two reasons. And I don't think you're giving Tennessee enough credit here. But reason one, these teams are closely matched. And I think if the Titans had a quarterback – uh, that was a starter at the helm, like a Tannehill, I probably would have even given them the edge. But number two, as I mentioned last podcast, the Titans were prepping for this game for two weeks and they rested some of their starters. So they were in a peak position to come in and perform and play in this tough game. And their defense, at least throughout part of the year, was a lot better than people thought. And so, yes, I do think Jacksonville missed some opportunities. But I don't think you gave the Tennessee Titans defense enough credit on 
you know, handling their business. Um, they pretty much held Jacksonville uh, to a low-scoring game, and it, it wasn't until a defensive fumble return that Jacksonville ended up taking the lead and squeaked by with the actual win. It wasn't the offense that did it for them. You know, you've got a not-that-experienced team in Jacksonville. You've got a, a young, you know, Trevor Lawrence trying to find his way in the playoffs. It's a great story. I'm glad they're in. Um, but I just didn't think that six and a half was the right number to be laying. And I'm, I'm again, I'm glad that they, they managed to find a way to win, but I decided to go with the under and that really ended up being the right play. I am only quoting Joe Buck. He said they left at least four points on the field in the first half. I agree. That was the difference between me losing my bet of Jacksonville covering and you winning or losing your bet of an under. So, you know, look, obviously if Tannehill starting for the Titans, the spread isn't six and a half and it's a totally different line. Well, everything had to go through Jarek Henry. And I mean, the under was, was I'm watching the first quarter and I'm seeing, you know, Tennessee to a 10 minute drive. And what happens, it ended in a field goal. I mean, that's like an under betters dream. You know, absolutely. So uh, everything was going my way. I felt. I mean, at the halftime, I think it was thirteen to seven. So I was right there at the number. Um, but I think adjustments were were made, and you know, they figured out Dobbs and realized how limited he he was, and he couldn't do a whole lot. So it all had to go through Derrick Henry. He got the ball. I don't remember how many rushing attempts he had. It certainly seemed like thirty plus. But um, they couldn't close the deal. And that turnover, which was, you know, the equivalent of a pick six, usually an underbetter's nightmare, uh, ended up being, you know, I was able to withstand that and, and come in at the uh, 36 number. I never had the feeling that the Titans were going to win the game, that Jacksonville was going to catch up at some point. Uh, and they did, but didn't matter. I lost that bet. You won your bet. So congratulations to you. Let me recap my last two games. Uh, my second game, you know, the Jacksonville-Tennessee game is on Saturday. My next game on Sunday is the Giants-Philadelphia. Uh, I took the Giants plus 14 over Philadelphia. As the way things unfolded, the Eagles were playing for the number one seed. The Giants weren't playing for anything, but I just thought it was too many points to give the Giants uh, in that situation. Now, Right out of the gate, the Eagles start scoring points. A lot of points. All of a sudden, it's 16 to nothing Eagles at halftime. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm going to lose both of these bets right out of the gate. But I was right in the end. Now, I will say that Brian Dable completely lied to me. He told me that Daniel Jones was going to be starting that game. Daniel Jones did not start that game. Instead, not only did Daniel Jones not start the game, they passed over Tyrod Taylor and they handed the ball to Davis Webb. So I was definitely a little bit nervous there. But remember that the Eagles wanted to win the game, but still go into the playoffs healthy. So in the second half, they really took their foot off the gas. They only score six points in the second half. Davis Webb finds a little rhythm. He scores on a 14-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter to make it 19-9. The Eagles kick another field goal. I'm still covering the Giants, knock on wood, end up scoring one more touchdown. They score 13 points in the fourth quarter. And this bet does come through for me. Thank goodness. 
And I think the Giants got exactly what they wanted going into the playoffs. They keep their starters safe, but they played well. They have nothing to apologize for playing a very, very tough team. And they are going into the game in Minnesota next weekend with a lot of confidence and momentum. And we will talk about that in a minute. So I did put 630 into my bank. That bet was uh, 330 to win 300. And I told you last week, actually, that I liked your bet. And I'm, I've am i always been very honest with you. I, I'll tell you when I like your bet. I'll tell you when I don't like your bet. And sometimes I just won't even comment on your bet. But if I like your bet, I'll tell you. Sometimes you just shake your head and scratch your head in confusion about what I've just said. I get it. I totally get it. This looks extraordinarily bad. But this time I was on your side. I mean, I won't credit it to my picks or anything like that. But I, But I did like it. And I thought it was the right play. Because... Philadelphia has been like this for a lot of the season where they can show just how perfect of a team they can be. I'll uh, come out and score your 16 points and take a big lead. And then they do take their foot off the gas sometimes and let other teams sneak back into the game. I, I always resort back to week one where they had a huge lead on the Detroit lions who ended up coming back to only lose by three. And uh, you know, I think the spread might've been four. So um Good for you on that bet. It was a smart play, and I actually think some of our listeners were on that as well. Yeah, big spread there, a lot of money on on that line, and it did come through. So that was my second bet. And my third bet, I had Green Bay uh, minus four and a half over Detroit in Green Bay. And this was, as we talked about, a game where Green Bay was playing for everything, win and they're in, destiny was in their own hands. And it turns out Detroit was playing for nothing because Seattle had won earlier on. I loved this. They asked Dan Campbell during the game what his team was playing for. And he said, we are playing for the Green Bay Packers not to go to the playoffs. And the Lions won. They they won outright. I'm not even mad at this bet, Miles. How freaking awesome is it that Green Bay lost outright at home with their own destiny in their hands to not go to the playoffs. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. How much do you love the Detroit Lions for stepping up in the face of nothing, playing hard? This game was, you know, yeah, I had bet on Green Bay, but I honestly didn't mind watching them lose. It was a fun, fun evening. You know, and I said I thought a fourth quarter turnover was going to seal it for the Packers. And ironically, it was a fourth quarter turnover that sealed it for the Lions. Is Aaron Rodgers done? Who knows? Who cares? No matter what, he's going to be thinking about this game for a long time. My advice to you, start drinking heavily. No matter what, we're going to be hearing about it for the next eight months on Aaron Rodgers' controversy. Is he playing? Is he not playing? Fuck the Packers, man. I thought they were pretenders. They showed us who they really are. And it's funny, I saw this meme about the NFC North. It was like, congratulations to the Vikings for being a number three seed and making the playoffs. Congratulations to the Bears for securing the number one pick. Congratulations to the Lions for having a winning season. And thank you for participating in Green Bay Packers or something like that. By the way, how about Houston winning that last game to lose the number one pick and, and their coach gets fired? Oh, <laughs> so I, it was I hilarious. Mean, is Lovey Smith like a deep, deep 
long con here for the bears from like 20 years ago <laughs> yeah exactly he was the man manchurian head coach <laughs> i bet last week you know I, I, against uh houston saying they've got to lose because they need that first pick and that bet came in for me i figured they'd repeat you know in, in week 18 but they they couldn't even get that right Boy, that is sad. I don't think it matters, to be honest. I don't think the Bears are taking a quarterback, which is what Houston desperately needs. But still, just the whole stigma of losing the number one pick, and now maybe the Bears can chop it or and and you know even improve. Who knows? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think if there's a Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning type quarterback who's going to be the clear number one pick coming out in the draft they maybe play that game a little differently knowing that they have a real sort of, you know, game-changing pick out there. Anyway, we got a little diverted there. Those were my three picks. I finished the week not great at 6.30. Miles, before you tell us how your other two games went, how about recapping the weeks and the seasons from some of our loyal listeners? Yeah, let's look at the listeners and see how they did both for the week and the year for the information, at least, that I have. So, Donnie Wheels was a winner week 18 with two separate $400 bets coming in. He had the New York Giants plus points, just like you, and he also took the Rams plus points, which I thought was a pretty risky bet knowing that Seattle needed the win. Great job there, Donnie. For the year... And remember, Donnie actually has been the only one that's bet with us all 18 weeks. Donnie was up $1,868. Way to go, Donnie. Nice work. Yeah, that is that is something. Um, RJ, who was on a hot streak, uh, had been down $88 on the season, and he wanted to go large. So he bet four Moneyline underdogs to try to turn his losses into a huge win. He swung big, but he missed. None of those came in. So RJ ends up down, not just for the week, but $1,088 on the season. It's okay, RJ. We still love you, buddy. Bill Kuklanis. He uses this very unconventional naming scheme to make his bets, and I usually need a translator to tell me what he did. You can read them on our Twitter page at wannabetpodcast.com. It looks like... He won with the Commanders, but he lost on the Bears and he lost on the Cardinals, although I'm still not sure I translated those correctly. At least that's how I read everything. That gives him a losing week 18. He was up 325 bucks on the year, but now looks like he's in the net negative. Bill, you had some great ups and downs this year. Thanks for playing with us, man. It was, uh, it was a pleasure to watch him work at times. There were times where he was undefeated, multiple weeks in a row we're playing checkers he was playing three-dimensional chess absolutely and then there's dave siegel who awoke from his absence by hitting two out of three in week 18 he had the vikings he had the 49ers and he happened to be in las vegas again so he should probably ended up some real cash money well good week dave siegel thanks for participating so david we asked the question week one to our listeners make your bets with us do you think you can beat us and the beauty of our format is that everything's transparent. The, the beauty of our format is, yes, you can beat David. <laughs> but you can see our bets on Twitter or listen to the show. Everyone can see everyone else's bets on Twitter. There's no mystique. There's no elements of surprise. You can see how everyone's doing. You just have to keep track to see who did the best. And now, 
we're at the end of the season. Uh, and I'm finally going to acknowledge I had a pretty incredible football betting season. Yes, you did. I'd be surprised if I could ever repeat these numbers. And the law of averages says I won't. But uh, let's talk first about how I did week 18, and then I'll give you a total for the year. Okay. So we already covered the Jacksonville, Tennessee under 40. Uh, That came in for me at 440 to win 400. My next bet was Miami, New York Jets under, and I got that at under 38 and a half. Yeah, what a sweat this game was for you, huh? Oh, Miami, you are are lucky to be in the playoffs. (laughs) This this game came close to 20 points total. Woof! I hope you're okay. Like I picked the wrong week, quit sniffing blue. Talk about limping into the postseason. You know, getting this game at 38 and a half and then you tweeting out that I got it at 37, I, I could have got this game at 17. It, it really wouldn't have mattered. Not a single touchdown was scored in this game. The biggest controversy, actually, was this last-second kickoff return lateral fest they had that resulted in a safety. In a safety, yeah. <laughs> and that wasn't even officially ruled a safety until there was a delay. I, I saw some outlets were reporting final score 9-6, and then it changed to 11-6. Doesn't matter for the under. It did matter for the side. I think there were some three and a half point uh, spreads that were going around, and that 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 lateral fest caused a bunch of money to change hands. But this game played out really the way I thought it was. You know, third string quarterback against third string quarterback, where you have two good defenses, and one of the teams happened to be be playing for something. So I didn't think there was going to be a lot of scoring. And there wasn't. Yeah, it's a good example of the uh, attrition that NFL teams go through during the season, where in week 18, we have Joe Flacco versus Skylar Thompson, you know, two quarterbacks, neither which were great in the game and great game to be on the under. Yeah. And, you know, you may have Skylar Thompson in the playoffs, which I think we'll talk about in the, in the next segment. We do have Skylar Thompson in the playoffs. That's been announced. So that, that game came in for me. That was another 330 to win 300. And then my last game was Pittsburgh uh, minus two against the Browns, 230 to win 209. And guess what? That game came in too. I was a 3-0 and for the week. You know, early in that game, it was first and goal. Najee Harris scored a touchdown, but the ref said his knee was down. The replay showed the ball crossed the plane of the end zone. But with the ball at basically the half-yard line and a great running back and a talented quarterback sneaker, the Steelers didn't challenge. They figured they'll just score the touchdown on the next play or two. Well, they had a failed quarterback sneak, and on third down, Najee Harris fumbles the ball, and instead of scoring seven points, they came away with zero. And demoralizing, upsetting, absolutely incomprehensible, And that's just for me, you know, who had Pittsburgh at minus two and really needed the points. I have no idea how Pittsburgh felt when that happened. But thankfully, the Steelers were able to overcome that mistake, which we've seen happen a lot this year. I don't know why the coaches aren't challenging these touchdowns and are just accepting the ball so close to the goal line. We've seen it backfire several times, this being one of them. And if you remember back in that Bills Minnesota game same thing with that fumble right there on the goal line you just can't assume you're gonna you know march the ball in for the score if you see your guy has made it in 
I say it's worth the challenge. Yeah, it's become much more of a four-down game, certainly that close. So I think you're right that a lot of teams just think they've got more plays and you know don't want to risk losing challenges. Uh, and it does backfire at times. But you know, kudos to you on this bet because you really called out Mike Tomlin. You know, as a coach, never having a losing record. I didn't love this bet to be honest. Uh, Pittsburgh has been a really hard team for me to figure out. Steelers, you know, they won six out of their last seven games to get to, uh, you know, a winning record. And Tomlin, you know, he really gets everything out of his team. And I give him a lot of credit. And you got to look at the Steelers down the road and say, Kenny Pickett is going to be throwing to George Pickens for a long time. And their future is pretty bright. And it was more than that. I mean, it wasn't just for the coach. They were playing for a playoff spot. I mean, they already had the Bills beat – the Patriots and all they needed was for Miami to lose and Miami almost lost. So, you know, they had an outside chance of getting in the playoffs with the win. They really were playing for something. And unfortunately they didn't control their own destiny and they're going to be watching playoffs from the sidelines, but that capped off a three and a week for me. I added another 1909 to my bank that ended up being my fourth perfect week of the year. So, what did my totals look like for the year? Uh, 15 out of 18 NFL weeks where I was cash positive. I am up a tinge over four grand this year. I, I made like 22000 and some change. I went 35, 20, and 2 for the season, which is over a 63.5% success rate if you don't count the pushes. So... I really had uh, an amazing season in sports handicapping this one. I'm, I came out with the you know goal to see if I could hit 55% or higher, and I met that goal. And like we said, do you think you can beat us? This was a year where I ended up doing the best. Yeah, your results were stellar. No question about it. We've talked about it before, but you figured out some strategies. You had your teams that you liked. You were disciplined in your betting and didn't stray too far from your strategies. And the results stand for themselves. So kudos to you. Let me just recap my results quickly, which were less stellar. I did manage to win seven weeks against you. I'm not sure how that happened. But I magically turned $18,000 into $15,096 for a net loss of $2,904 across the NFL season. Um, that is, uh, a solid second place in our two man race, I have to say. So I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, it was a blast handicapping, uh, all of these games and doing this podcast. And now we're going to turn our attention to, uh, the playoff games. There are you know, a huge, you know, slate of six games this weekend. I'm pretty excited, but I want to, before we get to them, I do want to also say what a, what a blast it was this season doing this podcast. You know, we had some, this all sprang from your idea. I mean, let's just tell the world this was, this was your concept and, and your format that we iterated on a little bit and added a little nuance here and there and, you know, had our weekly challenges and, you know, what I love about the, the seven weeks that you won and the uh, 11 weeks that I won is that each time there was a winner, we were always cash positive. It's yeah. not like, you know, one of us won by losing $600 and the other losing 300 I mean, that we were always, someone always was, you know, ahead of average, which is great. Um, and just 
the overall season and hearing from our fans and seeing the interaction we had on on Twitter and, and getting texts from people, this has been a very fulfilling project that we did. And I hope we can continue to think about how we can make this, you know, fun for everyone. Yeah, we're on to something. We're going to continue it in some form down the road. We have to figure out kind of the best format and how to take uh, what we've started, uh, make it bigger, make it better, make it broader. We've just scratched the surface, but we'll be back. Uh, We will be back next week, but we're going to be doing this down the road. And it's been such a blast and, you know, how much fun to spend researching these things that you love. And for me, you know, uh, getting more into it and really sort of, you know, trying to absorb all this information and just exist in your shadow has been a lot of fun. (laughs) Well, it's been a weird, you know, it's been a weird year in the sense that traditionally, you know, we both been fantasy players and, and looking at things through a fantasy football perspective. And, you know, this is a year where we really were looking more at the teams as a whole and the different betting strategies and, you know, who, what teams are looking hot rather than just what players are looking hot. So different way to approach watching football. I really enjoyed it. And I'm really going to, you know, keep on with this because uh, like you said, I think we're on to something. And if I'm going to have success like this, you know, let's turn it into some real cash. So speaking of teams looking hot, we are turning our attention to the six games of Super Wildcard Weekend. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk through each of the games in the order that they are played. So we're going to start with the Saturday games, go all through, all the way through the Monday night game, which is uh, Dallas-Tampa Bay. And we're just going to talk a little bit about the games quickly. And we're going to say, if there was a bet on it, I would make this bet. We're not going to have bets for every game. So I think Miles has three. I have four. Uh, but we'll just give you our sense of what's going on with each of these games. Sure. I think that's a great idea. And I sent you my picks Tuesday night. And so I'm going to go off of those picks. And at the time that I, that I made them, I, I will say so much has changed in the last 48 hours with learning about who's playing, who's not playing. I still think there's some question marks to be had, but I have seen some serious line movement. So when we do talk about who we like, going to make sure I talk about the spread in which that that we lock them in. Yeah, a lot of quarterback uncertainty that is causing those lines to move. So let's get into it. The first game on Saturday is the Seahawks, and they are uh, plus nine and a half against the 49ers in San Francisco, obviously. The over-under on that game is 42 and a half, and I have a bet that I would make on this game. I would take the over at 42 and a half, and here's why. San Francisco comes into the playoffs on a 10-game winning streak. They are averaging 30 points a game in those 10 games. As we've talked about before, they not only know how to win, they know how to step on the neck of their opponent and win pretty convincingly. Seattle, I don't know how to handicap Seattle. I I think they're going to lose. Uh, The 49ers are a bad matchup for them. What Seattle does not do well is defend running backs catching the ball out of the backfield and defend tight ends. And that's exactly what San Francisco's strengths are. But I think they're going to score enough 
And the 49ers are certainly going to do their part to get over 42 and a half. So that's what I'm looking at. I would take the over in this game. So I don't have a bet on this game. Uh, I didn't take a side. I didn't take the over under. Uh, I will say this. This game screams 49ers to me because Seattle limped into the playoffs. I mean, just like Miami limped in on the AFC, you've got Seattle limping in on the NFC. They they beat the Rams by three in overtime in order to get into the playoffs, and they needed every bit of Detroit beating Green Bay to be the seventh seed here. Uh, and in fact, I think their kicker doinked a game-winning field goal at the end of end of the game, so they were they were lucky just to be there. And the Niners, like you said, have been crushing teams by double digits. So everyone in the world should be looking at the Niners going, you guys should win this game. And for that reason, I'm, I, think, I think I'm not going to bet this because I can see the Seahawks pulling off a backdoor cover yeah. or somehow keeping this close. Yeah, I don't want them to. I don't think they ought to. But, you know, the spread started at 10. It's moved to 9.5, so some people are on the Seahawks. Maybe it's you just can't trust Brock Purdy as a rookie quarterback, and now the pressure's really on. Who knows how he's going to perform? Maybe it's Pete Carroll is a you know uh, respected great coach with a great history, and who knows what he's going to bring to the table. I, I just can't go on this game, so I'm using discretion here, and I'm just going to take a pass. Yeah, I was thinking the same way on the spread. You've got a veteran coach in Pete Carroll. You've got a veteran quarterback in Geno Smith, who's, you know, playing in his first playoffs, but he's a 10-year veteran. I did hear about a crazy bet. Must have been a teaser bet, but but I believe what I heard was somebody bet $100,000 on the San Francisco plus four and a half. So they bought down that line and they're only winning $8,500. That's uh yeah, there's there's these reverse <laughs> teasers that you can do, and maybe that's what that is. Yeah. But uh yeah, where's the fun in that? I know, and if you have a hundred thousand dollars to bet, do you really care about winning eighty five hundred dollars? Seems strange to me, but it's out there. Anyway, that's uh Seattle San Francisco. Moving into the second game on Saturday. That is the Charger game. Uh they are minus two and a half on the road against uh, Jacksonville. The over under is forty seven and a half. And I believe, Miles, you have a bet on that game. I do. And here's for everyone's, you know, memory. Uh, this is a lesson one. Stop betting against home underdogs. So right now, Jacksonville is a home underdog. I'm not betting against them, but I'm not betting with them either. I'm taking the under in this game, and that's under 47 and a half. And here's my thinking. Boy, Jacksonville, happy to be here. You know, great that you got in. Your defense has been playing great. I expect that to continue. Uh, Good for you guys. But I think, you know, your playoff experience lacks, and I just don't see you exploiting the Charger defense. Chargers, you know, you've been a tough read for me all year. I can't say that you're going to win this game. I can't say you're going to lose this game. I do think you'll probably keep it close. So I think 47 and a half in a playoff situation is a lot of points to score. I know that the Chargers are capable of putting up big numbers, but like I said, Jacksonville defense lately has been pretty good. So I lean on the under in this one where the unders have been coming in for, for most of the year. I know you're going to be shocked, but I'm not on this game. I looked at it nine ways from Sunday and there was just nothing I felt comfortable with. I'm not sure which Jacksonville team is going to show up. Their defense has been 
stellar the last few weeks, except in the Titans game. It just felt that they were a little bit lax. These teams played in week three in LA. Jacksonville rolled the Chargers 38 to 10. Chargers have been playing better lately. Uh, Mike Williams' injury makes me nervous. Weirdly, if anything on this game, I might go with the over because I think the Chargers' defense is going to give up a bunch of points, and I think that the Jacksonville defense is going to have trouble containing Austin Eckler catching passes out of the backfield. But I am not making that bet, but if anything, I was leaning there. I just didn't know what to do on this. Yeah, the Chargers are my team, but I'm going to exercise a little bit of discipline. I don't have a good feeling on it, so I am not taking a bet on this game. Okay. Well, let's start then moving into Sunday. Sunday. So the first game, Miami plus 13 versus Buffalo. Over under is 43 and a half. And that, that moves significantly. Yeah, that moves significantly. Right. Absolutely. I, 46 and a half, I think, at, at one point. Here's my feeling on this. Buffalo's going to cover. I am going to take Buffalo to cover the 13 points. And here's what I'm seeing. As of this moment, and it's Thursday afternoon, Skylar Thompson is going to start for the Dolphins. Tua has been ruled out. Teddy Bridgewater is injured. So Skylar Thompson is the man. And of all the quarterbacks who threw at least 100 passes in the NFL season this year, Skylar Thompson was one of the worst. He was one of the bottom three in terms of rating and, you know, yards per pass. And this is devastating to the Dolphins. Doesn't matter if you have a Tyreek Hill, if you have a Jalen Waddell, if you have a Mike Kosicki, if you don't have a quarterback who can get them the ball, they are dead in the water. The running game isn't strong enough to really protect him. And they're playing the Buffalo Bills who are going to have all of the emotion, all of the home crowd. Imagine this stadium if DeMar Hamlin walks in at the beginning of the stadium. People are going to go bananas. They are just going to be supercharged with electricity. Of all the games out there, this is going to be an absolute train wreck. Bills are going to destroy them. I'll take them and, you know, minus the 13 points. So I am also on this game. I, I texted you Tuesday my pick, and that was the Bills-Dolphins under. And I got it while I was at 46.5 before they announced whether Tua was playing. It is now down to 43.5. Right. 13 points in a playoff game, in a divisional game no less, it just seems like a ton. Now, I say that, you know, with the college – you know, national game was, I think, a 12 and a half, and that felt like a ton. And for that reason, I, I laid off, and you saw the result in that game. Georgia kicked the shit out of TCU. By the way, can we just, can we take a quick moment and pour one out for Mattress Mac, who lost his $3.1 million bet on <laughs> TCU? Poor guy. <laughs> no. But yeah, you're right. Um, If anything in that game, I would have thought, oh, two great teams. Why not take the points? Um. I'm afraid in this game that, you know, 13 points is just too many to give. Now, we saw that Miami couldn't score on offensive. They couldn't score a touchdown against the New York Jets. And I think the Buffalo defense is very similar to the Jets. Um, uh, and that was a game that they were playing at home in Miami. This one they've got to play in Buffalo. So I don't see Miami putting up a lot of points which means I do think it's going to be pretty one-sided. I do think Buffalo is going to score. 
I do think that Josh Allen's going to have his traditional interception, which he's been prone to throwing. So I think getting under 46 and a half is, is likely. I see the, the, the Bills winning the game and then just kind of running clock and, and this one being kind of a kind of a blowout. But in case it's not, I'm just staying with the under and not taking the side. Yeah, I think it's going to be a huge blowout when you have a bad third-string quarterback starting for you on the road you know, against a really good team. That is not going to end well for the Dolphins. Yeah, which brings us to the next game, which is the Giants-Vikings. Yeah. And I will say this. I'm not on this game. I am staying away from this game. I've called both the Giants and the Vikings frauds this year, and you've got two frauds playing each other. So I don't even know where this one could land. I mean, the Giants rested their you know players last week, which I think is good for them. Um, the Vikings, they... I've seen them at their best and I've seen them at their worst and you never know which team's going to show up. So this is one where, again, I'm exercising discretion and trying not to bet every game and just saying, let's save it for the ones where I really feel strongly about. And I just don't feel strongly in this one. Yeah. So the giants are plus three against Minnesota. The over under is 48 and I am on this game and I don't think I'm alone. I think this is the biggest upset potential of all of the playoffs I like the Giants on the money line. They're plus 135. I think they're going to win outright. Um, a couple things going on here. First of all, does Minnesota feel like the worst 13 and 4 team in the history of football? I don't know how they got to 13 and 4 when you have the number 31 defensive ranked team in the NFL, which they do. They squeak out wins, they give up a ton of points, they're wildly inconsistent. I think that Kirk Cousins, as we've discussed, has a long history of not performing well in big games. This is obviously a huge game. And here's a little fun fact for you. In the last month of the NFL, the quarterback who has the best QBR rating is Daniel Jones. So the Giants started off hot. They were flat in the middle. They had some injury issues. They've been playing better of late. I think they're going to win outright in Minnesota. Period. Certainly possible. I don't think it'd be shocking to a lot of people. But like I said, when you see the Vikings play at their best, they're they're pretty strong. They're kind of like the Cowboys, where there are times where they're just a different team out there. They're performing on a different level. So uh, good luck to you on that one. But uh, I'm going to lay off. Great. Well, the next game is Baltimore. Uh, right now they're plus nine and a half against Cincinnati. The over under is four and a half. That line has moved a lot. And I think both you and I are capitalizing on that line movement. Correct. Yeah. When I texted you, the line was at seven. I had actually seen it at six and a half. And I'm going to say I'm locking it in at that seven where I texted you, but I'm going to even buy that half point and do it at six and a half. I don't know if that's still available to, to betters. And I'd make sure that you know that, we're taking the Bengals, but I'm taking them at the minus six and a half at the time in which I did that on Tuesday. Look, this is a repeat of, of last week's game, basically. It's just that uh, the the Ravens have more to play for, but they're also learning they're probably not getting Lamar Jackson. So I just feel like Cincinnati has been a very hot team of late. They've been taking care of business. Their defense has been great. I know that 
Baltimore might have rested uh, Mark Andrews last week and, and rested J.K. Dobbins, so their last week's performance wasn't necessarily indicative of how they're going to perform this week. But I don't think Cincinnati's was either. I think Cincinnati has a ton of upside, very, very little downside, and I'm expecting them to rock the, the, the Ravens. This is going to surprise you, Miles. I'm on the exact same bet. I totally agree. I'm just going to take Cincinnati minus seven on whatever, buying this the six and a half. I totally get why you're doing that. It's a good savvy move. Too much Cincinnati Bengals without Lamar Jackson. It's not looking like he's going to play. Bengals have found their mojo the last two months. I just don't see how the Ravens without Lamar Jackson can compete with the Bengals. They just can't playing on the road. That's why the line has moved, obviously. I think the Bengals are going to win easily. Yeah, and here's another little fun fact, I think. Sometimes you when, when a team plays each other for the third time, you know, and they and they've won the other two times, they say that third win is going to be hard. Uh Baltimore actually won the first meeting earlier in the year when they have Lamar Jackson. So this isn't one of those times where it's beating the same team three times in a year. So I like that fact. By the way, speaking of that, that is the situation in the 49ers Seahawks game. So the 49ers have beat the Seahawks twice this year. And the 49ers have never beaten a team three times in the same year. So that could be a factor in that game. Uh, I don't think so. But funny funny you should mention that. So that brings us to the last game of Super Wildcard Weekend, which is Monday night, uh, Dallas, uh, minus two and a half against Tampa Bay. The over-under is 45 and a half. And... Big surprise here, neither of us are on this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is a hard pass for me, man. Just a hard pass. Again, we go back to lesson one, stop betting against home underdogs. For that reason, I don't want to bet against the Bucks. Uh, you know, I, initially I thought, hey, the Cowboys seem like the better team. Uh, maybe you want to go with them. But I, you know what? My betting strategy for the year has been stop betting against home underdogs, or at least, you know, in situations where it's obvious not to do so. And this is one where I'm trusting my own instincts and saying, you don't need to bet on this game. Even if you think the Cowboys are going to win, you've got Tom Brady, you've got a home game in, in Tampa, you've got some very skilled position players for the Bucks. The Cowboys, they're Jekyll and Hyde. There have been weeks where they've thrown into a fifth gear that I've never seen. There have been weeks where they've been asleep at the wheel, including last week. Uh, I don't even know what to think. So I'm off this game. I think it's cool that it's Monday night. At least it's another night of, of entertaining uh, football. But uh, but no, you're not going to see me on it. Yeah, you look at this game and you think a 13-4 and team playing against an 8-9 team, Tampa Bay is the only team with a losing record in the playoffs, you would think the spread would be bigger than two and a half points. Is it one of those too good to be true bets? I'm totally with you. I don't trust the Cowboys at all. They have a habit of collapsing in the playoffs. There's something about going you know, to Tampa Bay. That's what you get for winning the division. Tom Brady, there is no more savvy veteran in the world than Tom Brady. There's just something about this game I don't like. I don't have a good feeling about the Cowboys. I'm off of it as well. I think you you and I both have the same kind of general feelings about this game that it could go a lot of different ways, which is not a good fact for us. Yeah, and 
I'll tell you, if anything I've learned during this year of betting is to is to exercise that discretion. You know, picking three games is easier than picking four games, which is probably easier than picking five games. If you really just, you know, prioritize your betting, you're going to find that your bankroll is going to last a lot longer and you might even end up positive in the cash flow like uh, like Donnie Wheels did, like I did. So I have made four designated bets for Wildcard Weekend. Miles has made three. We'll see how it goes. We got a lot of football coming up this weekend. Yeah, we'll run it back next week and go through that playoff scenario, and then find a way to, you know, uh, end the end their season. Maybe we'll talk about what we think a Super Bowl prediction looks like. If you remember Week One, uh, I think I had the Eagles and the Bills as my representatives, and they're both still alive, which is interesting. You, well, what about what did you have Week One? Pretty sure I had Bears Broncos, so that didn't really come through for me. <laughs> no. I, I think you had the Bills up there somewhere. I just don't yeah. remember who your NFC rep was. Yeah, I like Philadelphia as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was a long time ago. There had been a lot of water under the bridge uh, between now and then. True that. Well, listeners, enjoy. Enjoy this super wildcard weekend. Enjoy this podcast, and we'll run it back next week. So. With that in mind, I do want to say, love your body, Larry. It's been a great uh, 2022 season. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Enjoy the One About podcast. Check us out on Twitter. And have a great weekend of watching football. Take care, everybody. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An Electric Cast production. See you there. Electric Cast. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on ElectroCast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. ElectroCast. Cast.